So again, Happy New Year. I guess the question uh, we're all asking at the beginning of this year is, will this year be better than the last one? It was actually the same question we were asking this time last year about the previous year, but there it is. My hunch is that life will continue to be just as complicated as it has been in uh, the last couple of years. But when life is complicated and troublesome, I want to I encourage you to see it simply as an invitation from God to help us get secure in him to navigate whatever happens. So, all, you know, when you read the Bible, almost all the time, all the people in the Bible, they're always in trouble. Uh, and I think uh, we are entering into a more normative time when most things are, are troublesome and complicated. Whether on a macro level, with COVID and supply chains and uh, energy costs going up and all those kinds of things, or whether it's on a micro level in your own life to do with relationships or finance or health or whatever it might be, and you will know your own particular things that you're facing. But it's always an invitation to say, Lord, help me become solid on the rock of Jesus, whatever trouble comes along. Now, Joe also, uh, my wife Joe sends her love to you, and um, she is away this week. She's, uh, she's at Westminster Theological Center. She's doing her residential teaching students how to interpret the Bible. And technically, it's called hermeneutics. And so she's doing 16 hours of content. If you know Joe, she could obviously deliver that in one day, but for the sake of the students, she's uh, putting it out over one week. And uh, so she'll be back uh, for next Sunday. And I want to give you a thought about the scriptures, in particular, for the new year. Now, five years ago, the pollsters, Comres, came up with um, some pretty startling stats. Uh, and even if they're only vaguely true, they are quite startling. So it said that 55% of Christians said they never read their Bible at all. And then there was a following stat that said 23% of Christians said they didn't believe that Jesus had risen from the dead. And I think the second stat probably is related to the first stat. Now, that's the problem that we have in our day, I suppose. And uh, a lack of uh, knowledge of the scriptures, a lack of uh, engagement with the scriptures. It was the absolute opposite problem for Jesus and uh, uh, the Jews in his day. Because in those days, many or most of the Jews were extremely diligent readers of Scripture and memorizers of huge portions of Scripture. But Jesus took them to task because their particular problem was that they didn't realize that the, the Hebrew Scriptures, what we call the Old Testament Scriptures, pointed to Jesus and that they should come to him to have life. So he said, you diligently search the Scriptures, but you, you refuse to come to me to have life. Now, that was their problem, and our problem, I guess, uh, seems to be the opposite. That these days, we may not be really di diligent readers of Scripture, this book, the Old and the New Testament. Uh, but we do do community, we do uh, spend time in worship, we do operate in the gifts of the Spirit, and so on. But this is the thing that I want, us, I want to encourage us into. And I think I have what may be a helpful key for us to step into it in a fresh way for this year. However, our life, our life with God, will have little depth or understanding or strength or power or endurance without us being thoroughly 
marinated or soaked in the story of Scripture and in uh, the detail of Scripture as well. And so my hunch is that we're in a problem of what you might call content of faith, both in ENC and in the wider church. And my prayer is, as I said, that God will help us with that in 2022. We love Jesus. We welcome the Holy Spirit. We operate in his gifts. Uh, we sing and worship. We serve others. And we f but we may well find it hard to really treasure the scriptures, both individually and possibly corporately as well. And I suspect that that may lead us towards a hollowing out of the content of our faith which then leads us to lack confidence as Christians in everyday life. Now, it's not really surprising that this has become much more difficult to read in our culture. Uh, and the same usual suspects are against us reading this. And uh, if you read the scriptures, you'll know that the things that range up against us as Christians are the world and the flesh and the devil. So the world is against it. And this Bible, uh, this book, is seen as more and more problematic as a book, even immoral in some places. And to read scripture regularly with faith is a really countercultural act. Because what you're doing is you're soaking yourself in an alternate reality. You're soaking yourself in the reality that God has described in his book. So Pete Hughes, who's the uh, pastor of King's Cross Church, who we, uh, who we love, he, he's very fond of saying the story you live in is the story you live out. So whichever story you inhabit is the one that you display in your life. And so inhabiting this story to, uh, as you soak yourself in Scripture means that you start to really live that out in life. But if you marinate in the story of our culture or maybe in the story of your family going back generations or in the story of uh, your successes or your failures or anything else, um, then that's what you will live out. So the world is really against this, and I think more against this as we go along. Our flesh is also against reading it because it's a pretty massive book. It's a forbidding-looking book, and it's an ancient text. And it's hard work to <laughs> just kind of look at it and face it and think, am I really going to read that this year? And also, I would say that the devil is against it. Now, the devil is a personal force of evil, and he knows how powerful and transformative it is to read the scriptures for us because it connects us with God. As we read, we hear the voice of God and we're connected to God. So it shouldn't be surprised that when you have a good resolution, and you may have made a resolution yesterday uh, and thought to yourself, okay, I'm going to read the Bible in a year or something like that, or I'm going to uh, make a plan and stick to it or whatever. It's no surprise that as you enter into the first week of January that you experience resistance, that you experience spiritual resistance because the devil really doesn't want you to read it. So as we look to shape ourselves as a church for the future, rediscovering scripture for ourselves as individuals and as a community is going to be key. If you're around in the autumn, you'll remember that we talked about things that we want to anchor ourselves to, to hold on to whatever the currents wherever the water is flowing we just want to hold on to these things and they were mission that we're an outward focused church the spirit that we're empowered by the holy spirit and scripture that we live in and live out the story of scripture so the psalmist when he writes in uh, psalm 119 really helps us here because what uh, if you read psalm 119 it takes a little time as i said it's the longest psalm the longest song 
It expresses absolutely massive love for what he calls God's law. God's law is a translation of the Hebrew word Torah, which uh, is more than just the law. It's the first five books of the Bible. How I love the Torah, says, says the songwriter. And that's got all the stories of Abraham and Noah and Joseph and all these guys, as well as uh, the Ten Commandments and the law. And it's a really beautifully constructed poem. Uh, and uh, in the Hebrew, it's got, uh, it's got different verses that all start with different letters of the alphabet and so on. So it's a very sort of ordered, very thought through song lyric, if you like. And uh, I think the key missing ingredient often as we approach the scriptures is love. Is love for the story that the scriptures are telling. Love for the people who have written the scriptures. Love for the actual text itself. And you can see as we uh, have a look at these verses in a few moments that the writer just starts to really express his love and delight and rejoicing in what he calls the law and what we might call the scriptures. So in our stream of church, because we are quite good at saying, well, let's try and read the Bible every day, we can often read the Bible out of guilt because we haven't read it for a while and we think, oh my goodness, I must read the Bible because it's important. But the way the psalmist uh, invites us to look at scriptures is to look at it with the eyes of love. Because it's a gift from the Lord, and it's a primary way in which we hear the voice of God, and it's a primary way in which we connect with God, and uh, the content of our faith is built up. So there's a lot to love. And it's good to read Scripture every day because it will shape and orientate us towards God. Otherwise, we're being shaped by everything else in our lives, our friends, TV shows, and uh, social media and everything else. So, uh, let's just have a look at these verses again. If you have your Bible, or a Bible near you, I'm just going to read them out and make a few comments. And you'll see that as we go through, he starts to describe more and more his love for the Scriptures. And uh, that's, the, that's the thing that I want to us to kind of soak in this evening. So, verses 1 to 4, he says, "'Blessed are those whose ways are blameless.'" who walk according to the law of the Lord. Blessed are those who keep his statutes and seek him with all their heart. They do no wrong but follow his ways. You have laid down precepts that are to be fully obeyed. So the first thing that he comes up with is that the Bible has a really strong connection with obeying God, and obeying God leads to blessing or happiness or abundance. So those three things all go together. Reading of Scripture, he's saying, goes with a kind of predisposition to be obedient to what Scripture says and to live our lives according to it. And then when we're obedient to what the Scripture says, then he says blessing and uh, abundance will, will occur. So blessing and abundance may well occur in trouble and in difficulty, but blessing and abundance will still occur. So he makes this really strong connection. Now, this is kind of difficult for us because obedience in our culture is not something that we're particularly very strong on because obedience can often be linked with lacking freedom or even just being, being oppressed. But when we look at Jesus, he's often described, particularly in the Gospels, as really the most obedient human being who ever lived. He's the most submissive human being who ever lived. 
So he's described in John 5 as saying, I only do what I see the Father doing, or I only say what I hear the Father saying. He lets the Father lead, and, uh, and he's obedient to every little nudge that the Father has for him. And even at the moment of greatest crisis, when he's in the Garden of Gethsemane and considering the cross ahead of him, he says, not my will, but what you want, Heavenly Father. So Jesus must see something really beautiful in obedience. He must see something that is really extraordinary, something wonderful. Because if we assume that Jesus was entirely free, that he was the perfect human being, he must be onto something when he's that obedient to his heavenly Father. So I think that he knew that obedience is not having our will broken by a more forceful or powerful will, but in fact, through obedience, God makes us rather than breaks us. And that obedience is really trusting God, it's love for God, it's rejoicing in God, it's reliance on God's power. And in the words of John Webster, obedience is the lifelong task of giving my consent to the shape which God has for my life. And the Bible in here makes it really clear. The reading of Scripture is linked with obedience, which is linked with abundance. And if you want that connection, it starts with the reading of Scripture. That's how you step into it. Okay, the next little bit, verses 5 to 8, if you want to grab your Bibles again. And he takes a slightly different tack. He says this, Oh, that my ways were steadfast in obeying your decrees. Then I would not be put to shame when I consider all your commands. I will praise you with an upright heart as I learn your righteous laws. I will obey your decrees. Do not utterly forsake me. So this is the point where he's been thinking about the scriptures and obedience and abundance and he suddenly thinks about himself and he thinks, oh, as I approach this, I am so weak. I am so weak. God, help me, help me, help me. I don't want to be, I don't want to fall apart. I don't want to get lost. And as we approach the scriptures, we often feel like this. As we approach the thought of being obedient to God through the year, we feel, oh my goodness, I'm so weak. I just can't do this. What God has asked me to do and the way he asked me to live my life is something that is way beyond me. Well, the good news is we do have the Holy Spirit to help us in this. And God always asks us to do things that are beyond us. But as we approach it, we feel weak and we sometimes shrink back. G.K. Chesterton, uh, the great writer, said, the Christian ideal has not been tried and found wanting. It has been found difficult and left untried. And I think there's some truth to that, and that's what these verses are reflecting. So verses 5 to 8 say that. Then verses 9 to 10, just grab your Bibles again. We're heading towards uh, the, the delight in the Scriptures. But first he says, How can a young person stay on the path of purity by living according to your word? Good advice for young people there. And I seek you with all my heart. Do not let me stray from your commands. So again, a little bit more on the importance of obedience, which then brings us to verses 11 to 15. And see if you can kind of feel the pulse of this, feel um, the heart of it. So the writer says this, I have hidden your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. Praise be to you, Lord, 
Teach me your decrees. With, with my lips I recount all the laws that come from your mouth. I rejoice in following your statutes as one rejoices in great riches. I meditate on your precepts and consider your ways. I delight in your decrees. I will not neglect your word. And you feel that? You feel the delight that he has in the scriptures and then after that, the delight that he has in wanting to be obedient and to follow God wherever God leads. And he, he sees the scriptures. He says they're like great riches and we delight in great riches. If we had great riches, we would delight in them. And he, later on, he talks about the scriptures are like music and we delight in music. And later on, he says the scriptures are like honey. They're sweet as honey and we delight in honey and toast. He doesn't mention toast, but honey is there. And you just see that he overflows with a love for the scriptures, for the Torah. How does he do this? Well, how does he generate this kind of love? Well, you can see little clues in this. He meditates on it. He just takes time over it. He chews over it. He says he hides it in his heart. How do you hide something in your heart? I guess it's to do with memorizing it a little bit, so it's always there. Never leaves you. He says with his lips, he recounts all the Torah that comes from God's mouth. So he speaks it out loud. So he's not just reading it silently, but he speaks it out loud. So he hears his own voice saying the promises of God. He goes over it so many times, he's probably memorized it, which is a very popular um, activity and one that uh, you know, could easily make a, a comeback for us. So the, the word of God has then made its home in the heart of who he is. And it will never leave him because it's right there. This is almost like lovers talking. I mean, it is a, a person talking about a book or a scroll. But it sounds like lovers talking about how much you delight in the other, how much you rejoice in them, how much, you, uh, how much like they are great riches or music or honey or whatever. There's something that he's found in his approach to the scriptures that is a, is a framework for him to approach uh, reading the scriptures. It's reminiscent of when God speaks to Joshua just before Joshua goes into the promised land. And God says to Joshua this uh, before they move out. He says, keep the book of the law always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Can you see the link again? There's the scriptures, there's obedience, and there's abundance. Those things all go together. And uh, I remember hearing a philosophy professor talking about that verse, and he said that verse is, and he taught in a university all his life, and he said that one verse is worth more than a whole university education. Joshua 1.8, keep the book of the law always on your lips, meditate on it day and night, so that you may be careful to do everything written in it, then you'll be prosperous and successful. So 2022, just want to ask you for your own thoughts and meditation. Where are you at with the scriptures? Are you new to them? Have you read them for decades? Have you read them occasionally? Did you used to read them, but you stopped reading them? But at the beginning of the, of the year, even if you know them well, I want to uh, encourage you in a particular practice. 
Because at the beginning of the year, it's a useful time to think to yourself, okay, I'm going to approach the Scriptures with a fresh heart and a fresh mind. And I'm just... This may not work for all of you, but I just think it can be a very helpful exercise to approach the Scriptures, particularly if, you're, if you haven't read them for a while, um, as if you do not know what they say, as if they are new to you. And just start again. And just start to read them and think, oh my goodness, that is the most extraordinary story. How wonderful that is. How extraordinary that person is. How terrible that person is. How amazing that song is. Imagine reading the well-known stories and not knowing the endings. So I remember, uh, many of you will know Nigel Hancock, who died last year. And um, when Nigel became a Christian from being an atheist, he didn't know the stories of the Gospels or the Scriptures at all. And uh, I remember he had been reading about the crucifixion. And he came to me and he said, this is really terrible. Jesus has been terribly executed and he is dead and I said have you read the end of the gospels and he said no I've got to the the crucifixion I said well keep reading there's there's a twist coming (laughs) and then he came back absolutely ecstatic because he he had found himself right in the middle of the desolation of the cross and for those of you who for whom the scriptures are not new I was uh, remembering, uh, there's an Australian writer called Tim Winton, and he was talking about reading some of the gospel stories to his son. And, uh, and he knew the gospel stories really well. And when they got to the cross, and they, were, and they were reading about the cross, Tim Winton and his son were both overwhelmed with sorrow. And Tim Winton was overwhelmed with sorrow, even though he knew the resurrection was coming. And he entered into it in a way that he forgot about the end of the story until he continued reading because he approached it fresh because of his son. I just encourage you to find the love for Scripture again if you've lost it uh, by entering into it in a fresh way like that. So it may be for some of you, if I can put it like this, that you should go on a first date with the Scriptures at the beginning of the year. For some of you, a first date may be some time ago. But I just want to encourage you to go on a first date with scriptures. So I remember a friend of mine told me about how he met his wife and um, their first date, which was that he was riding on his motorbike and he came to um, traffic lights and uh, there was a woman on her motorbike next to him at the traffic lights waiting for the red to go to green. And as he looked over at her, he saw through her visor and saw the most incredible blue eyes. And he was a bit stunned. And the lights went green and she left him for dead. And uh, he kind of got going. And he caught up with her at the next lights and said, would you like to go for a drink with me? Amazingly, she said yes. And so later that evening, they went for a drink. And, um, and she, <laughs> she had asked a friend to come along and walk along uh, behind him just in case she needed some help. But uh, by that time, they were uh, really getting uh, into great conversation. So she was subtly trying to wave her friend away. Uh, And they talked and talked and talked, and they got to know each other. And um, then they went on another date and so on. And things developed and love blossomed. So a first date is where you know nothing. All you can see are just the blue eyes through the visor. And I encourage you to do that with Scripture again. 
uh, and just at the beginning of the year, think to yourself, okay, I'm going to approach this really fresh, really new, because I do want to fall in love with the Scriptures again so that I can become a more obedient uh, follower of Jesus so that I can step into the abundance that God has for me during 2022. A date is not a task to tick off your list, unless you're slightly sociopathic. But it's a delight to encounter. And that's what we want as we open the Scriptures again. And we're going to be looking at some of the Gospel Scriptures um, over the next few weeks. Just the basic teaching and demonstration of the Kingdom of God that Jesus does in the Gospels. And my prayer is that as we do that together, we'll be filled with wonder again. We'll be filled with wonder at who Jesus is and, and uh, be compelled to go back to reading the Scriptures in a fresh way and seeing things that we've never seen before. And for those of you who are just embarking on the Scriptures, I just want to say this is one of the finest things you will ever do in your life is to immerse yourself in the story of Scripture. Because as you do that, you'll be shaped by God. You'll live within the story of Scripture. That's how you'll live out. You'll hear God speaking to you through the Scriptures. And you will be transformed. And uh, you will be eternally changed. This is such a gift that God has given us. But it is a complex gift. But it's a complex gift for us living in a complicated world. And uh, I think uh, it's time that we made sure that that stat, about 55%, goes way down. So, why don't we stand and we're going to pray together. Ask the Lord to fill us with wonder again. So let's just pray one or two prayers quietly in our own hearts. And the first prayer is just to It's just to acknowledge with the Lord where we are with his scriptures. Whether we're somewhere on the continuum between thrilled and bored. Or we're on the continuum between really knowledgeable or we know very little. But it's just to acknowledge where we are. And then maybe just spend a few moments thanking God for the gifts that he's given us that enable us to get to know him, which include the scriptures, but also include the Spirit of God, include the church and our brothers and sisters, includes the learning through the ages that people have done about God, and a number of other things. And maybe just for a few moments, just thank the Lord. Just express gratitude for what he's already given.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you for your incredible gifts that you've given us. We thank you for one another. We thank you for the scriptures. We thank you for your Holy Spirit. We thank you for bread and wine. Thank you for all the means of grace. And I'm just going to ask the Holy Spirit, who loves to point us to Jesus, just to uh, increase our love for the Scriptures in the way that the psalmist describes, to delight, to rejoice, to wonder in, all those things. So, Father, would you send your Spirit upon us, And just come and set us on fire again with love for your scriptures, your truth, your salvation history, your law, your songs and proverbs, your letters, your eyewitness accounts to Jesus. Lord, set us on fire with love for those things again. And let this year be characterized with that kind of love. And we just reject guilt and shame and punishment and any of those things that you died to set us free from. I ask you, Jesus, that you would fill us again with love and wonder and awe at who you are and what you've done. Thank you, Lord. So let's just raise our voices in a song, gratitude and thanks. Let the Holy Spirit stir us with wonder again. <laughs>